0: Well, good evening. I'm Rick Dancer. Welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancer. And tonight we're going to be talking about money, (laughs) the economy, inflation. Um, You know, if you listen to the radio, you listen to what's going on out there, um, it can scare the hell out of you. Um, You're hearing reports, information, and are we in a recession or are we headed towards a recession? Um, What does all that mean? And so I've got a guest coming on tonight. Uh, who's going to explain some of that. Let's get the open and get right to our topic. We want to thank our sponsors, uh, Mercury Metal and Fabrication. They're one of our sponsors tonight. Our other sponsors, Chris Dental Family Dentistry, um, where nothing matters but your health. (laughs) If you want to go in there, um, Dr. Bratlin is, he's really concerned about your dental health um, and anything else that others are requiring, he probably doesn't. Um, also Bucks Sanitary Service. Uh, another one of our sponsors been with us a long time. we really appreciate their business and here's the lead. let's go to the talk who puts up with this? That's what I don't understand. bring the lion out bring the bring the lion. Um, tonight on our show we're gonna have hey guys, don't you think it's kind of fun that you get to comment on the news yeah, There's a cost. Oh yeah, there's a cost. People come after you like I think that's why this is so much fun is because. We'll see you in five. And joining us. Hi, Andres. How are you, man? Hi, Rick. How you doing? I'm doing well. So um, Andres is somebody I've been acquainted with, though, for a while. Um, he is a private wealth manager and partner at Creative Planning, as well as a CFP certificate. Uh, creative Planning is a registered investment advisory firm that manages or advises on more than 20, $225 billion in assets and serves clients in all 50 states. So that's the technical stuff we got out of the way. Andreas, thank you for coming on. Um, Kathy and I, this is a conversation my wife and I have a lot, is, oh my God, what's going on? How, how did we end up in this place where two years ago, a year ago, the economy's booming. Everything's going great. Um, we're moving. We're looking at all this stuff. And now all of a sudden gas, gas prices are making it hard to just drive to Helena to go to the gym. <laughs> and, you know, and so I thought, you know, Andreas knows his stuff. And I think let's have him on and just you can't not just folks. He can't give advice, um, you know, unless you're a client of his. He can't give advice. So this is just going to be a discussion about because you follow this stuff. I mean, you watch this, don't you, Andreas?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I uh, I have to watch it on a on a daily basis, and uh, that's the the interesting thing about working in the industry. It's always different. It's 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 never it's never the same. Uh, what's uh, what's true today might not be true tomorrow. But uh, again, there are some just basic rules in investing uh, that are always there. It's just the causes and everything related to that are always are always different. Uh, so uh, it's uh, it's definitely a, a a trying time, but an interesting time to be be in the industry.
0: Yeah. And I think it's, what's, what's, what's so frustrating is because it becomes so political. So you got the far left and the far right giving their spiel on how we got here. And, yeah. and usually that's tainted. Um, yeah. Somebody trying to get elected or not get elected or get their party to look better and that kind of thing. And I'm just done with that. Um, so yeah. I thought, why don't you start with how did we get to this place?
1: Yeah, no, great question, and I, uh, I got to do my disclosure that, you know, you know, my views are not necessarily the views of creative planning or, or my colleagues at the firm always going to get those good disclosures out of the way. But, you know, you really reverse back to where we were during COVID, uh, which was a very interesting time. Basically, you had overnight the uh, economy get shut down. We were told to stay at home, shelter in place. We didn't know what was going to happen. And I remember going through that time and there was a lot of people out there that said, wow, this is going to be an economic ice age, and this is just going to just sideline the entire economies. So when we think about what happened in March and April of 2020, we had the Trump administration really push trillions of dollars into the system by supporting businesses and uh, giving out PPP loans uh, and employee retention, uh, and tons of money went out into the system. Most of it was never uh, never, with the point was not to repay it back. Okay, so you've got that component, which is already an inflationary environment because what happened shortly after, you had things where the lockdowns, ease, uh, vaccines came into place, and then the um, uh, and then states started opening up because of that. So it was it, it was far worse economically than a lot of people initially thought. And then what happened is you still had COVID coming on, uh, going on, and then you have the uh, Biden administration that came in and gave money out to people instead of businesses. So you have these trillions of dollars in the system, and then all these people were staying home. So what did they do? They bought stuff. You had uh, travel went absolutely to zero, but home improvement projects went absolutely through the roof because people were like, well, I'm stuck at home. Why, why not do that? Right. And a lot of inflation is related to capital goods and a lot of those goods and services that come in. Well, couple that when you have these lockdowns everywhere else where they're constraining the supply because of the lockdowns in other countries, the United States uh, you know, mandates. So what happens is is you have this excess demand with not enough supply that is the perfect recipe right there for inflation that's that's it in a nutshell uh and so that's really what has happened you've had trillions of dollars and now we're in a situation where okay so this money is getting spent through the system it will be spent through the system here shortly and then you have other aspects of you know you have geopolitical stuff going on in the ukraine which is, uh, you know, causing fuel prices to go up. You have short supply uh, in uh, in the United States. Right. We were an exporter. Now we're we're, now we're an importer. And a a lot of that is um, is causing this inflation everywhere. So what does the Fed have to do? Right. Because the Fed goes, our mandate is to control inflation. What do we have to do?
0: So does raising interest rates, how, how
1: does that work? Uh, it, it can. Uh, it, it can work. Uh, it, it can work to an extent. And the, the thing that it really comes down to is if people are still buying goods and services, it's going to be difficult for the Fed to truly control that long term because they can control it a little bit. But if you, if you think about the Fed, what they do when, they, when the economy struggles, they lower interest rates. And then when it goes up, They're raising interest rates to kind of cool everything, cool everything down. That's a very fine line right there. It's almost like when you're driving a car, you know, you're trying to propel the economy forward. You lower interest rates and makes everything cheap and people start buying stuff. And that's the goal. Now they're driving in reverse, which is a lot harder to do because any little mess up from the Fed, they're trying to get this economy to do a soft landing. And a soft landing can easily turn into a recession. And so where where is the fine line? And I think at the end of the day, it all comes down to businesses and people. If people are confident and business are confident, they're going to hire. They're going to do capital expenditures. People are going to spend money and that's going to propel the economy. If they think this economy is getting choked off, we're so dependent on consumer spending. They could choke it off. Right. So
0: what are people to do then? I mean, you know what? Like as a business guy. You know i'm looking at it and and i'm watching people you know like at different mm-hmm. stations that we work with and people like that or they're tightening their belt they're not they're starting to not hire they're starting to not you know mm-hmm. look out there what so what
1: what do people do well and you have two components going on with that right now you have labor shortages Right, pick an industry. There's a labor shortage everywhere. There's a labor
0: shortage in Montana. I mean, we came from Oregon, and I know it was really bad there. Here, though, you got places that they're shutting down for a couple of days a week that never did before because, and it's not because they don't have the business; it's because they don't have. There's a radio station that airs this commercial, and this guy who owns the restaurant is pretty smart, actually. He says, "I Mm -hmm. can't provide the service that you that I expect to be able to provide Mm -hmm. if I'm on this Tuesday, Wednesday. So we're shutting those two days down and staying the rest." Mm -hmm. i mean yeah that's a huge issue
1: Mm -hmm. yep so and and so if you if you think about kind of how the economy works in that front there's there's a couple components with a lot of more of i would say the mature um or uh um, uh businesses related to consulting a lot of those things maybe engineering um you have had a lot of people during covid retire right so you've had this this whole population that said well screw it i was going to retire in 2024 i'm just going to do it now so you've had this whole workforce that has come out of the uh, that has come out and just fully retired so you've lost those people and now you get me to get the experience and also under covid during the covid time you under the trump and the Biden administration you've seen immigration plummet during that during that period um and so the united states every given year welcomes millions of workers in um, through the system through immigration which provide cheaper labor so we'll go back in time and history real quick to japan okay what's interesting is japan was basically their economy was stagnant for many years they were they couldn't get it going wages were through the roof and when you really look at that one of the biggest things they did was not allow immigration there. They were very constrictive on their policies. They couldn't bring in that cheap labor. There's uh, there's countries that have lower income in the United States and people would be would welcome the chance to just earn minimum wage in the United States. So you have some of that going on right now with the retirees and everything. And that's that's further accelerating this inflation because of labor shortages. Uh, you also have seen an interesting thing in the last few years, since World War II, we've been full-blown globalization. Uh, globalization is great, you know, manufacture this widget in Vietnam, bring it to the United States, complete it, do all that. Now, because of COVID and the supply constraints, you're actually seeing deglobalization. You're actually seeing companies build back in their domestic territories. And that's an interesting transition because, one, that takes time to do. You can't just start a factory overnight. And two, you have to um, uh, you have to bring all that supply and you have to figure out um, how to do it in your country. And it's going to cost more. So that's a negative effect. So you bring all that in coupled with everything else going on with the money in the system. And, you know, it's no wonder where we're at right now.
0: So in your opinion, how much has uh, Biden's uh, uh, green new green deal reduction of, you know, Producing our own oil and gas here in the United States, how much has that played into this?
1: Well, I think it, I think it's played in some. Uh, it's definitely played into the equation um, because years ago uh, we were a net net exporter for the first time, and then now we're basically an importer. So that's going to have that's going to have an effect w- where it is and. You know, without going too far down a rabbit hole of uh, you know the world we're in, whether it's good or bad, in the short term it's going to have a negative effect, right? From an economic perspective, it's a negative effect when the the uh, the biggest electric car manufacturer says that we we're, we need more oil right now, and he's hurting his business. That means we we do need it on the short term. So. Right. And, and when you do things like reverse release reserves or anything like that, that doesn't do anything. We're talking minuscule amounts. Um, really, the, there's two functions of, of that supply, supply and demand. Demand is high for oil right now. Supply is lower coupled with geopolitical issues. So you're gonna have that. Uh, it, it, it's, it's sad to say, but a recession, if you think about how much trucking has, it, it, in terms of fuel consumption in a year in the United States, if there was a recession, that would immediately swing back uh, on, on oil supplies uh, because there would be less demand. So yeah. there's different ways to do it. What do you, when we went looking for a
0: couch and the guy said, that cost me 51% more because of the shipping to get it here. Mm-hmm. We looked at each other and just like, oh, my God, you know, because it's affecting mm-hmm. everything. All right. I'm going to do. I have a, a couple of breaks here. Yeah. And when we come back, let's talk about the stock market and what okay. you're seeing and historically and kind of what people might be able to expect. Okay.
2: They want to censor me and uh and that's why i get low comments and eugene weekly and and a lot of people bash on me but i'm just i I support free speech and and i don't care i don't care what your view is the most frustrating thing is that people get over uh, that people will hate other people just because of the political views and i don't like i gotta tell you i was democratic when i was going through college i went to uvo um and i still have certain like maybe like more environmental like leaning a little bit but i don't know it's just we're so steadfast we're either you have to be left or you have to be right and we can't be we can't you can't be supposed to be friends with people that are on the extreme left that's what irritates me and and also i mean it doesn't irritate me the negativity i get i i try to my staff will get messages and i don't want to listen to them we get voice messages and emails, and and you'll you'll have stuff, you know, you'll see, and I, that irritates me. But
0: and that's Dr. Michael Bracklin, one of our sponsors, and before that, Buck Sanitary Service, pretty fancy toilets, huh? There, Andres.
1: Yeah, actually, I, I, uh, uh, my wife works in the building industry, and they had one of those uh, uh, luxury toilets one time at their VIP event, and I was just, I was amazed. I walked in, I go, this is like, it, it's incredible. It's, it. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, no, you.
0: Well, he takes those to forest, like forest fires and not only weddings and stuff, but he also supplies those for forest fires. So those guys and girls are out there fighting the, wow. the blazes. They get a shower afterwards and that kind of stuff. And he has some great stories. So yeah, it's an interesting, interesting mix. And Dr. Bratlin was talking, we had an interview the other night and he was talking about, it. he puts up billboards thanking Joe Rogan and, uh, and, uh, Elon Musk for bringing freedom back and, uh. So he and I both get a lot of heat for that kind of stuff. Yeah,
1: no, I bet.
0: I, <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk stock market. So because yeah. a lot of people have their four hundred one ks, their IRA, yeah. all that stuff's locked up in
1: stocks. What's going on there? Well, it's uh, yeah. That's that's definitely been been interesting. And you know, you think about where the economy is today, where the market is today. The S and I just looked a few hours ago. I think it was down twenty one percent for the year. Then you have the NASDAQ that's down 33% for the year. And then you have areas like Chinese stocks, which are probably down 60%. You have uh, you know, crypto, which is down 65%. And that's probably some of the more stable coins out there. Some of them are down 90%, 100%. Wow. Um, so you've had this huge just diversion now where, and it's very common in a time like this, when when you think about how the market works and when people are you know there's two there's two market phases there's the greed phase and the fear phase and the greed phase is 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 typically going after you know people are optimistic about the economy moving forward so they're buying more growth stocks they're doing things like that now when you get this transition everyone switches to value stocks um or companies that they perceive as more valuable from a a profit perspective, you know, it could be like a Procter and Gamble, like everybody needs toothpaste and, you know, things that those, those, uh, uh, not, not discretionary items, non-discretionary items that you're going to need toilet paper and all those things come into play. So, so what you've seen is you've seen this huge pullback from the risky stuff and which is normal. And then now you have the market sitting here down 20% and it says, okay, well, where do we go from here? right and the 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 wonderful thing about the market is history is the guide to the market and you'll look at the market over time and we can get averages and we can understand hey look how bad can this get so i think when everyone thinks about the market, there's always 2008 is probably the biggest, you know, in recent memory, right? Because most of us weren't around in the great depression, or if you were, you were raised by parents from the great depression. And if you were raised by parents from the great depression, you got taught to keep everything and throw nothing away. And, uh, and, and, you know, just like my mom is just, she'll never throw anything away because she was raised in a, in a post-war time and, uh, in, in Europe. Uh, so it's, You know, it's your your minds, your mind and the lens you look at will kind of set your future for you. And I think a lot of um, millennials haven't really had a market turmoil when they really started investing. It was in the greatest bull market really in history, which was this bull market we're in right now outside of the 90s, which was a phenomenal bull market. So where we're at right now with the markets down 20%, there's a couple uh, a couple components going on. One, we had negative GDP in the first quarter of 2022. Okay? So for us to be in an official recession by the by the government, we have to have two consecutive quarters of negative GDP. So we've had one. A lot of that was inflation related items that caused us to go negative. So we're just wrapping up. We're about a week away from the first, from the second quarter being wrapped up, which means someone sometime in July, August, our preliminary GDP data comes out, which will tell us whether we're in a recession or not. Now, for for people in the equity markets, it, it, all that does is basically set a moment in time for you for looking at the averages. If we are in a recession, it's going to be all over the media. Everyone's gonna be talking about it. People are gonna start liquidating their, their assets because they're getting nervous. And, and you know, I'll first off say you shouldn't do that. Um, uh, you know, the history will tell you that's not a, a good thing to do, but it's gonna cause a lot of stir, and the media is gonna feed into that, right? Recession here, recession there. So it's gonna spook a lot of people. But if we are in a recession, you're hit you're in the history of the market, your typical recession lasts about 18 months. And and if we are in a recession, we're already seven months into it. So statistically, we could be out of this in a year, give or take, right? Um, and uh, you know, you had uh, 2008, which was about I think 19, 20 months, uh, and you had the uh, um, uh, tech bubble, which was uh, you know right around that time. So 18 months. The good news with the stock market is the stock market started going down in January because it anticipated a potential re- recession because of what was going on with the economy, the Fed raising interest rates, all of those. So it's already gone down in anticipation of, that's what's going on in the market right now. So it will move up in anticipation of the market recovering. So it will usually move up a quarter or two ahead of time. So if we are in a recession right now, it's plausible to say that the market will start its ascent sometime next year. Could be 2024, but sometime next year. And so, A lot of people get scared about the next thing is the magnitude, right? Well, how bad is it gonna be? And is it gonna be 50%? Is it gonna be 60%? Am I gonna be wiped out? Uh, And that's always the worry with with everybody. With the markets, there's only been one time in history um, uh, of the last 96 years, which was 1931, where the market was down more than 40% for the year. And that was 1931. Uh, there's been two times where the market's been down between 30 and 40% for the year, and that was 1937 and 2008. Okay, so if you think about that, in 96 years, only three years, the market ended down more than 30% for the year. So the odds are that we're a substantial uh, substantial way of the way through this right now. Because we're already down 20%, right? right? So we're probably going to end somewhere between 20 and 40% if this is a recession and we actually go into recession. The, the interesting thing about the markets is the, it will start recovering before the economy does. So you don't want to wait until you get the green light from the economy because then, then it's going to be too late. You actually had in 2009, in 2009 was the low of the bear market in 2009. I think it was March 3rd or March March 9th. Within basically a a 12-month period, the market was up 73% in that period. So when it moves, it moves fast. And if you pull your money out, it's harder to get back in than it is to get out. And you won't know when to do it. And by that time, you're going to say, well, the market's already up 10%. I'm not going to invest. The market's already up 20%. I'm not going to invest. And then you miss out on the whole, on the whole next bull market. And that's the biggest risk for people.
0: So people in retirement and that kind of thing, just not, not panicking.
1: Exactly. But, and it also comes down to portfolio construction. So let's say somebody in retirement had, all their assets in 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 risky uh, you know you know uh, stuff that's going down right now riskier asset classes. Um, what happens during a recession if the market's down thirty percent? You have a hundred percent of your money in stocks. Well, now the stocks are down thirty percent, and if you're taking five uh, percent out of your portfolio, now you're really taking seven percent out of your portfolio. And that compounds over a couple year period, and you really took 14% instead of 10%, and then you didn't get that money back because uh, you've already spent it to to live your life. So what a smart move is, is to make sure that you basically have in safe assets, you know, in in cash equivalents, you have six to 12 months worth of cash and cash equivalents. And then you have the balance anywhere, depending on the more aggressive side, five years, more conservative side, seven years, worth of cash flow in safer asset classes. That could be bonds, even though they've been hit this year because of the rising interest rates. But on the flip side, if we had a recession, the Fed would lower interest rates, which would buoy, bond, buoy uh, make bonds increase. So having that, if you can weather a storm for five years, you would have made it through two thousand eight without with, without ever having to sell a stock. You would have made it through the tech bubble. You would have made it through uh, the Great Depression. You would have made it through many periods of time without ever having to be emotional and sell stocks when they're down.
0: Right. So people just need to kind of kind of watch this. And and it sounds like you know um, you're not going to have to say this, but it's don't get overconsumed with the media because you're gonna hear that the worst case scenario of everything going on. And I can say that as a former media guy, it's yes. like, you know, they're looking for a headline and here's the bottom line of viewers out there. Uh, they also have to sell you a newscast. So to get you to watch, they gotta, they gotta pump this up and, and, uh, and that doesn't help anybody, especially when you're dealing with your, your savings, your retirement, your funds um, to be panicking, but be careful and make sure you got somebody, I can say this, you can't make sure you got somebody who's going to help you figure out that you're doing the right thing and splitting that stuff up. So you're not every, all your eggs aren't in one basket. Is that fair to say?
1: That is very fair to say. And I think the media, uh, uh, it, and that's just us as humans, right? We, we view media. We want to view because it ties into our belief system, right? Confirmation bias. One of the worst biases out there is just not ever getting you. It's, it's the same thing as it's it's the car. You know, you go out and you're looking for a new car and you're grilling all these cars and saying, okay, how safe they are? What's the miles per gallon? But the minute you buy that car, you're your confirmation bias because you know it's your car. You're like, well, hey, look, this is a great vehicle. I am so smart, I purchased this vehicle. I'm I'm and that's a lot of a lot of what people do. They look at the same stuff that's going to confirm their biases, or they do something. Um, uh, and once they purchase it, it's a, if it's a, even a stock, they say, OK, well, I love Nokia because I bought Nokia. It is a great company. You know, you can't you can't destroy these phones with a grenade. Um, uh, if you've seen those YouTubes, um, I'm going to do it. But then they don't look at anything else that, well, maybe there's a competitor out there. Maybe there's that. And then so the, the, the media is not is not anybody's friend when it when it comes to the investing world. They will scare you every day and or they will make you greedy and saying oh look at all this money people are making and you'll and that will change your decision-making process um right. and i i know we we uh spoke briefly on politics at the beginning you, you kind of you you mentioned it and i think it is interesting because you have you know both sides of the aisle let's say my guy's better for the market my guy's better for the market right you always you always hear that or they'll take it they'll take a study and they'll say well well there's a Uh, a president, a Democrat or a Republican, the market does better or when the House of Representatives and they do all these, they do all these, uh, the data sets. But when you really look at the best time in the market, funny enough is is the gridlock scenario. So when you have a sitting president that is opposite the House of Representatives and even the Senate, when that happens, and it's usually a midterm cycle, at the end, because that's when presidents typically lose seats. Um, for the if they if they won that cycle right before, if the Democrats won or the Republicans, they usually lose seats. Right? Happened with Trump, Obama. You know, go, the list goes on. The best scenario for the market is actually gridlock. You know why? Because nothing gets done. Nothing, because you have one president. You got the president who's going to veto anything they do, and the market loves that scenario. It's not uh-huh. Republican or Democrat. It's gridlock.
0: So I don't know if I can ask you this question, but I'm going to ask it. And you just tell me if you can't answer. So in in, in all fairness, um, so should 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 the two presidents so we can we can bash both. We got Donald Trump giving COVID money during the to the businesses when COVID hit and we got Biden shelling out money to people. Um, Should should we ever be shelling out money um, for for nothing?
1: I think that's that. That is the uh, that is the biggest point of of uh, of argument between um, a lot of people out there, the fiscal conservatives, and people say, "Well, no, that's the government's role." And a lot of people would say, "No, that's not the government's role."
0: Um, did that get us? Did that get us into this?
1: Yeah, absolutely. The government's uh, hand in this has been a cause of inflation. There is no doubt about that. Um, the government being involved in giving out money, you can't just you know, print helicopter money and expect no inflation. It's just, it's, it's going to happen. So, but there was certain things where the government did get credit uh, for. So in COVID kind of March, right at the bottom of the market, Bonds were actually going down. They were down. There was a couple of days they were down three, four percent a day. You know They were down eight or nine percent. And the government came in and really how bonds work in the corporate world is, you know, people have to borrow money on the short term corporations to fund their short term liabilities. Banks have to borrow from each other. And the government came up and propped in that system and said, look, if you can't get people to buy your bonds, we'll buy your bonds. Um, so in the short term, what that did is actually stabilize the market. And you, you actually saw the market shortly thereafter recover, but then you got the bazooka of money and everything that goes on top of that. And then that is, that is precisely that with the supply chain issues I mentioned is where we're at right now.
0: Right. The people in the stock world and the, you know, that deal with this all the time. Um, when you see all this, when you see people that's like making, basically making money, we're going to pay off everything, we're going to give everybody money. Um and and, you know and really like what I've kind of thought was like six hundred bucks, that's not a (laughs) that doesn't that that doesn't pay me anything, you know what I mean? In terms of I thought it was kind of funny, but you know, it 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 was a political move. And I don't know how much it really helped anybody, but it seems like all that and to businesses too, um, you know, to buy them the PPPs, we got that too. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, but but when you do that, you're you're you know i wish i could just make my own money
1: <laughs> <laughs> i know i know well people were doing it in the cryptocurrency market there for a while uh, they were making their own uh, their own currency but no uh, and i and i totally agree with you on that it's a fantastic point because and and you think about the 600 and, and um I, you know i saw recently the inflation numbers and like the, the cost of uh, you know groceries going up housing um you know rent uh fuel and was that six hundred dollars really worth it for this output we have now now i understand the purpose of that and i understand it made people uh it made people feel good like hey look there's people without jobs right now etc um so, but we always, we, we, um, we always got to look at that in what is going to be that outcome. And it's always an inflationary thing that happens when, when you do that with the economy. when, well, when, and, and, when e- involved.
0: and even the PPP money, PPL money, whatever it is under Trump, um, you know, I didn't, that was, that was money that I probably wouldn't have needed, <laughs> you know, and yeah. it's, it, you know what I mean? And it's like, it, I think, you know, And and this is just my personal feeling. Fear is a terrible motivator. I mean, it's great at getting people to do things, but it's a terrible motivator because it puts a panic on people. And then we are now paying. in my opinion, we're paying the price now heavily for a panic that was either set in, instituted, um, probably all of the above. And it's been a very costly lesson for um, for America.
1: And well, yep. Look at the to- toilet paper debacle, right? You look at the, the that was a perfect example when fear k- kicks in, and people didn't know if they would have fresh toilet paper to wipe their bum. Yeah, everyone went absolutely berserk. Right. so you're and people were fighting over toilet paper people were you know it was just it was nuts and that was a fear emotion right now right we are we are a, a you know fight or flight and it you know all of those core emotions from thousands of years ago are in us today and it the fears fear, is, the fear is strong
0: what was really interesting andreas is when i had we had a business coach for a while and she was awesome but like maybe three or four months before that, we started talking about fear of our business, fear of failing, and, fear and all these kind of fears. And then um, I'm listening to I can't remember his name, but you know somebody she was giving me to listen to, and he's talking about how fight, the fight and flight kind of thing, and how you're just going fright and flight and jumping in. And so we're learning this toning down, and all of a sudden, all of culture just goes boom into this full thing of fear. And I was going, I looked at my wife, and I said. We are getting the best education. This is taking everything we've learned for four months and sticking yeah. it right in your face, <laughs> saying, so what are you gonna do? And that's one thing I was never afraid because I knew that fear was not, and I'm not like a perfect guy, I'm just saying, I wasn't afraid because I knew that was not gonna make me make the right decisions. Fear mm-hmm. rarely makes people make the right decisions. It usually mm-hmm. makes you reactionary. And yep. unfortunately, when you live in a country, um, you get to do what
1: they do. Yeah. Yes. yes. Well, exactly. In in media. And and I think there's something to say, you you know, 30 years ago or 40 years ago, if you were to say, I want to get out of the market. Right. You would have to call back then your stockbroker. Call him on the phone. And, you know, he probably has 10 or 15 messages already for the day. And then you've got to you've got to go through a human being and he's going to talk through the situation with you now by the click of a button you can liquidate, you know, you could liquidate if you had at $100 million by, you know, going online and spending a little while online and liquidating all that money. So the barriers to accessing the barriers to uh, if you have fear, the barriers to making bad decisions are lowered now. Uh, And that causes more emotional reactions with people over time. And I think you're going to see that moving forward because of how easy it is to trade how easy it is to do things it's great the technology is there trading's cheap now it's up but what's the cost of that in the long term
0: it's education because yeah. if you if you were to call and you, that's not calling you they don't have the stockbroker, but to call the guy and get the information from it or the woman and yeah. get your information so um things are going to get better
1: they are but
0: and it uh, get worse before it gets better
1: It could, yeah, it very well could get worse before it gets better, but it will get better. Um, the, The one thing I hear a lot is it's different this time. And one of the famous quotes in the stock market is the four most dangerous words in investing is it's different this time. So the causes of what happened are always different, but the outcome is always the same. It goes up at some point in time. Is it going to be one year? Don't know. Is it going to be two? Is it going to be three? Don't know. But I would probably bet some serious money that in the next five years to 10 years, it's going to look a whole lot better than it does now. And this will be another blip on the radar, kind of like people have almost forgot about COVID and that the market was down 30 plus percent during then. Um, you know, our, our memory is very short, so it, it won't, the outcome won't be different. It's just what causes it, causes it is.
0: And, and I don't need a comment from you on this because I don't want you to get in trouble, but I'm famous for getting myself in trouble. But um, most of the United States has forgotten about COVID. <laughs> places like Montana and Idaho. Now, there's places on the West Coast where they still are dealing with it on a daily yeah. basis and for that yep. i am very sorry but anyway Andreas, yep. yep. hey, yep. thank you so much for coming in and doing this that was super comfortable and i think people will get a a, a ton of great information and um you know buckle down and and hold on because we're in for a ride but um you know it's it's what it is and uh, you know
1: hey absolutely and best case scenario is we have a short um uh, we have a soft landing and the economy recovers Worst case, we have a recession, and we work our way through it. And if you know you're really worried about inflation, that's the easiest way for inflation to go down. Unfortunately, is a recession because that means that there's not enough goods being purchased. Um, so it's right now, it's kind of pick your poison at the at the moment it seems.
0: All right, Andreas Johnson, thanks again for being with us. Thank and you.